There's no problem too big or small, no issue too hot or cold, and no subject these gentlemen won't talk about. Let's head into the lab to see what they're working to figure out today. Let's get into it and get down to it. Welcome to Figure It Out. This is George Grombacher. Joining me, as always, is Centauri Miner. Hello, folks. Helping us move from awareness to action this week is Chris Helmuth, Vice President of Hands-On Greater Phoenix, a nonprofit volunteer management organization working in the areas of homelessness, hunger education, animal welfare, environmental challenges, and more. Welcome, Chris. Thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. So, Centauri, out of all of those areas that they focus on, Aside from animal welfare, because we all know that you really don't like animals, is there one area that that, that, that you get most excited about? Um, I think all of the things that uh, Hands On Greater Phoenix is working on, I am excited about. Such a wonderful organization that really does empower pretty much every nonprofit in the Valley. So I always tell people there's no one cause that I feel is greater than the other. And Hands On is really good about empowering and equipping anyone who wants to help. So my Politically correct answer is no. I don't have a. I do not have a favorite out of those. Well, I think it's fair to to tell everyone that Centauri was a volunteer leader with us for several years. Um, for a really long time, yeah. Was committed to one particular project was near and dear to his heart, um, which is a project we were we've done with Welcome to America, uh, and so he helped uh, he helped our volunteers get involved with that organization where they help move refugees into their their first apartments here in the United States. So. Um, I, I think I should I should at least let people know that and know that uh, he puts his money where his mouth is and has been a great volunteer with us. Thank you, ma'am. You're well, welcome. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> well, I, I, I appreciate you working on that, Centauri. Well, excellent. Well, Chris, um, I, I think I, I gave a little thumbnail sketch of the work that you are doing. But if, if you would walk us through how you ended up with Hands On Greater Phoenix. Tell us about your career path, please. Sure. Um, so I um, grew up in the Midwest and went to Indiana University um, and thought I was going to be the next host of the Today Show or the uh, co-anchor of the Evening News. Nice. Yes. And then I realized that at some point those jobs are not super easy to come by. <laughs> so I looked into kind of the business of journalism. I had a journalism degree um, and got involved in public relations and media relations and event planning. Um, I worked for a small nonprofit out of um, out of Indianapolis after I uh, graduated and I um, did some development work with them and event planning work with them. Um, and then I moved to the Indianapolis Police Department and worked in their media relations office, um, which was a very interesting job. Um, and then from there, my boyfriend at the time decided we were sick of the winters and we should move to Phoenix and enjoy the sunshine. Um, and he got a job right away. And I was waiting tables and trying to decide what to do next. Um, and I watched a lot of Oprah and felt very sorry <laughs> and lonely. And um, my mom told me to get off my butt and go volunteer. So um, nice. I found um, that at the time we were called Make a Difference. Um, and I found Make a Difference. And they were this great uh, volunteer organization in the Valley that made it easy for people to volunteer. And they just happened to have a part-time temporary special event job opening. Um, and they were looking to start their very first Martin Luther King Day of Service. And so I applied, and what was supposed to be a six-month 
job uh, 20 hours a week uh, has turned into a 19, almost 20 year career with a very fantastic um, nonprofit. So I feel very lucky uh, to have found them and uh, have been able to make this my career. I know it's, it's probably unusual for most of your guests to say they work someplace for almost 20 years, but that's how long it's been. That is a long, long tenure. And it's funny, Chris, I've known you forever, but I did not know about your stint at like Indie Police Department. T yeah. Just talk quickly about, like, that's fascinating. Um, that it was a very um, fun and interesting job. The first day, my boss was the public information officer. And the very first day, there was a SWAT call. And he's like, do you want to come with me and go out on it? And I was like, heck yeah, I do. Um, so I hopped in the back of his car, and we went out. And um, he had to, unfortunately, um, there was someone who had barricaded themselves in their apartment um, and holding uh, his girlfriend hostage. And so the SWAT team had to go in with um, tear gas and everything. And so a lot of the neighbors, it was an apartment complex, and a lot of the neighbors were dealing with the after effects of that and their food being spoiled and just kind of things you didn't know about that happens after a SWAT team is called. And so um, he was called to kind of talk with the residents, see what sort of resources he could provide for them um, and see kind of what happened. So yes, it was a very, that was the first day. So I was like, wow, this is pretty exciting. And um, I, you know, we did a lot with the mayor's office, um, award ceremony, Ceremonies for the officers was a, a part of my job. The policeman's ball was po uh, police officers' ball um, was part of my job, um, and things. So it was a very interesting, interesting time there. No doubt about it. That is a trial by fire for sure. Just kind of yeah, throw you into it. Something different every day, which yeah. makes any job kind of interesting to have. Yeah, for sure. So 19 years in the space. I, I think that that is awesome. So tell us about uh, Hands On Greater Phoenix's mission. Yeah, so um, as most nonprofits, we you know used to have this very long, lengthy uh, mission that tried to sound very um, bougie and and important and used big words. And we really decided, you know, it really makes more sense to keep it really simple so people understand um, to the you know what we really do. So our mission is really about putting volunteers to work in the local community here in Phoenix where they're needed most. Um, and so we do that through a variety of different volunteer opportunities that we organize and manage. Um, we try and be a resource to nonprofits as well who are looking for different kinds of volunteers. Um, we offer different commitment levels, different issue area focuses. So we really try and be a place that, you know, anybody who's looking to volunteer in Phoenix and they're not quite sure who needs their help or how to get started, um, they can come to us and find something that really fits, whether it's one of our programs or it's one of our other nonprofit partners who, you know, is looking for a different kind of volunteer, they can find it with us. Nice. Chris, can you talk a little bit more about the, the, the big days of service? Because I always think those are interesting. It's like an episodic way for people to just really plug in um, sure, sure. in the work that you do. Yeah. Um, so we started 25 years ago um, and it started with a once a month kind of opportunity. And from there they decided, well, once a year, let's do a big event where we try and bring as many people together on one day um, to really showcase the impact of people when we work together. Um, and so now we offer four what we call service days a year. Um, the next one coming up is over Martin Luther King weekend, um, where we offer just a few, like three or four different larger projects. So they're great for um, youth groups, church groups, meetup groups, companies. We're very involved with a lot of Valley companies who are looking for ways to get their employees involved and engaged um, and working together. 
um, for kind of a corporate goal or corporate good. So we have that. We, we do one in the spring called our Servathon, um, which helps low-income schools, neighborhoods, and nonprofits do all sorts of – typically they're kind of improvement projects – roll up your sleeves, get dirty kind of work. Um, we paint homes for seniors. We do renovations for veterans on their homes. Um, so all different kinds of projects, but they're a little bit more kind of down and dirty, um, but really great for groups, um, really great for people of all ages who want to come together, families and things like that. So the third one is around September 11th. Um, and then the fourth one is our fall day. Um, and it has been geared towards the National Make a Difference Day that happens at the end of October. Nice. So what kind of pools of, of people are we talking about uh, on the volunteer side? Do you have a sense of how many people are, are in that camp of I'd like to find something to get involved with, but I'm not sure. And then just a sense of how many organizations that you're working with to try to match talent to. Yeah. Over the course of the year, we see about 25,000 volunteers. Um, and, and those people sometimes are just once. Um, and sometimes there are certainly a regular on a regular basis. Um, our, we do about 50 to 60 different projects every month. Um, and then we have those service days four times a year that add another 15 to 20 um, opportunities. Um, we also have a tutoring program that uses 110 uh, volunteers over the course of a school year. Um, so 25,000 volunteers. And then we serve about 400 different nonprofits, low-income schools, and neighborhoods over the course of a year. Wow. That is an awesome impact. So as you guys try to put a vision together, um, I, I understand what the mission of the group is, but how do you plan or try to set goals? Um, that's a good question. Um, I mean, as far as our vision, we, we hope that we provide um, opportunities, all different kinds of opportunities for people to find a way to engage in the community. Um, so whether you have a very limited schedule, we have opportunities for that. If you want to make more of a, a commitment and see a little bit more impact in your work, we have opportunities for that. Um, we really want to be a place where you can find um, pretty much any different way to volunteer because we find that you know people are getting I don't want to say they're getting pickier, but um, they definitely they definitely want to know what's they, they want it to make sense for them, not only with their schedule, but also what they care about um, and how they want to get involved. So, you know, we really try and be innovative in what we offer um, and how we offer it and just and who we're working with so that you know it appeals to all different kinds of people. Yeah, I think that that makes sense. And it also makes sense to me that that I don't want to say that people are becoming better consumers of but I guess we're probably becoming better consumers of everything with yeah. being able to use sites like Amazon and, and just put all these different filters on and, 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 and really find the, find the right solution for, for lack of a better term. So I think that that's pretty cool. Chris, would you be able to, I just want to kind of really root this in. I'm sure over the last 20 years, you have some amazing stories about either clients you've helped or volunteers where they've, um, they've been transformed. I remember when I started with hands-on, which is actually probably the first like volunteer thing that I started right after college. And I went on a, I happened to go on a delivery for welcome to America project. And then from hands-on, I eventually became like a weekly volunteer. And then years later, their board chair. Right. Yeah, um, yeah. that was all because you guys connected me to an organization I wouldn't have known otherwise. So can right. you give us some more stories like that? Oh, I mean, we've seen so many things. I mean, we have volunteers who have been leading projects for us for 20 years. Um, they are so committed to um, to 
the, to getting more volunteers involved and also the organization that they work with. We've seen um, companies that we've taken on a service day to help at a low-income school then adopt um, the entire first grade and do Christmas gifts for everyone in the first grade. Um, they've gone on to provide grants to teachers that they meet at these projects. So, I mean, we do really think there is a ripple effect, even if you only volunteer for an hour or two hours um, once a year or twice a month. Um, we tell nonprofits that it really does open the door um, to, you know, educating people on what you do and what your needs are and how people can become more involved. I mean, the Individual projects I've worked on, you know, it's always really touching when you get to um, see the client. Um, uh, we did a renovation. Um, we've done so many veteran home renovations, and those are really amazing. Um, we did. I did a project many years ago with the um, in the city of Glend in Glendale with the adult daycare center there that the Salvation Army used to run, um, and we put in just a really nice garden area that out there, a gazebo, a sidewalk. Um, and I got to meet, um, an elderly woman who now could push her boyfriend who was in his wheelchair outside and they could enjoy time together. Um, and you know, we're, we're obviously not, um, curing, uh, diseases or anything like that, but we're making people's lives a little bit better each, every single time we bring volunteers to an organization. So, um, that's really something that, that we hold on to and, and feel really great about. Yeah, for good reason. I'm sure that you get a ton of those experiences. So I think that that's really, really cool. The flip side of that coin is there's got to be a lot of challenges. And I'm curious as to what, what, what the biggest challenges that you deal with on a consistent basis are. Well, I think you, you know, you, I think you said it very positively that volunteers are becoming better consumers. Um, but I, we're also seeing that they are being a little bit more, um, you know, it's, there's definitely a what's in it for me component to volunteering, right? Um, while we we hope people are always doing it for the right reasons, that because there's more opportunities and more options, um, they can decide what they want to do and what they don't want to do. And, you know, for some organizations, they rely uh, very heavily on volunteers to meet their missions, to um, provide a workforce that they otherwise couldn't pay um, staff people to do. They don't have enough funds to have a staff that does that work. So there, you know, there is a good amount of volunteer work that, that needs to be done, um, whether it's glamorous or exciting or makes you feel really good. Um, it's, there's still a definite need. So educating people on that, um, helping make the opportunities, um, uh, attractive to them. Um, I think in the age of social media, um, people are really great about sharing, um, volunteer opportunities, but it doesn't turn into action. And we are an action center. We're all about getting people to go out and do things. Well, we love that you follow us on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. Um, if you're not coming out to our projects and you're not getting involved, then you're not necessarily doing us any favors. So um, we really need people to to, to show up and get involved. Um, so liking us is great, but uh, getting involved is even better. Um, so I think that's really a challenge. And, and there are a lot of different ways now for people to feel like they're involved in their community without actually um, getting out of their house. Um, and so how do we, um, how do we give them different opportunities and how do we encourage them to get involved besides just, you know, looking at things on the internet? So that's, you know, kind of a challenge we face. Oh, I got it. I, I, I can appreciate that. All the wonderful things that the, the internet and social media bring also bring a little bit of, I guess, keyboard activism, which doesn't right. do a whole lot of good for anybody. 
And right. I, 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 I've been getting this visual in my mind of, 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 of since since you've been talking about this about the story of the little of the little red hen, which we probably okay. all remember. Yeah. Nobody wanted to help bake the bread or do any of it. They just wanted to help eat it. So. <laughs> That's a very good analogy, George. <laughs> yeah. Like everybody's got to chip in throughout this whole process. Otherwise, you don't get to come and cut the ribbon at the senior center that we just opened up. You actually have to do the work. Right. So. And and we're curious to see how, you know, this the Generation Z and Millenniums uh, have been required to do more volunteer work at schools and, you know, colleges and scholarships and key clubs and all of that. And is it really turning those youth into um, forever volunteers or it, do they look at volunteering as being voluntold and it's just something you have to do to meet a requirement and now that I don't have to do that anymore I'm not going to keep volunteering so um, it'll be interesting to see how that kind of plays out um, over the next few years because certainly when I was in school and I'm a bit older than you boys but um, there was no it was not a requirement to do anything for a diploma or um, to get into college or anything like that so um, you know now obviously schools today are requiring that more and we'll be we're anxious to see what that means to our future yeah i think that that should be pretty interesting centauri you probably have a bunch of participation medals and trophies what are your thoughts on that <laughs> that is not that's not true, George. Oh, okay um but to to chris's point about the keyboard activism and just how it looks today i think hands-on has been really good at kind of evolving with um with the changing times and i've seen how just from the messaging and the language they've pivoted to be more um, to be more attractive to the younger audience. And I think it, it's always been an organization that's been really good about incorporating young families into the work, um, incorporating teens into work that makes sense. And so it's really a great repository if you ever just were like, what can I do this weekend to give back? And uh, them being nimble has actually actually been something I've always admired about the organization. Yeah, we try and be innovative in what we offer, um, the issue areas we offer, the commitment levels we offer. Um, you know, you have to be, and you have to be to keep uh, engaging people and, and showing them new ways to get involved. Because, you know, with any group of people, what appeals to one person doesn't necessarily appeal to another. So um, we definitely think volunteering is for everyone. We just have to be um, innovative and smart about what, how we offer that and, and how we showcase it to people. I think that that makes a lot of sense. Well, Chris, talk to us a little bit about the three biggest things that you've learned over the past three years. Well, since I've worked here for almost 20 years, like three years is like a blink of an eye. So I, will, <laughs> I may have to go beyond. Um, Fair enough. But um, I will say kind of the one of the first big ahas I learned working here is that you, you know, because we are a nonprofit, in order to be successful, you really need to run your nonprofit like a business. And I don't think um, people really think about it that way. Um, but if you're, if you haven't figured out how your programs and services are going to keep your, you know, pay to keep your doors open, um, to pay for the things you need and want to do in the community, um, and you're not running a very fiscally organized and responsible organization, then, um, it doesn't matter. It doesn't necessarily matter all the great work you can do. Um, you have to be smart about, you know, running the organization like a business to, to stay open, um, and to stay successful. Um, the second thing, let's see, I would say, you know, getting back to, um, 
kind of how this current generation is volunteering um, over the last couple of years where we're seeing a lot of people like to sign up for things and share things, but they don't necessarily show up when it comes to time to, to be there. So having them understand why that's important, um, making sure they understand um, that so many organizations rely on a volunteer workforce versus a paid workforce so that their time is definitely, you know, important to, to nonprofits and um, important to the work they're doing. So, and so making sure volunteer, or nonprofits understand that too. And uh, let's see, I think I've also learned that volunteering um, is real, it needs to be easy for people. It needs to be very clear um, with communication of what's expected of them. We always say that before somebody's going to say yes, you need to be very clear about what you're asking them to do. Um, and even though, you know, with the, when, um, we had President Obama's uh, election several years ago and people were self-organizing and doing things on their own, while we certainly have seen more of that, most people really need volunteering to be easy for them in order for them to like kind of get out of their house and get involved. Um, and you have to be clear about kind of what's in it for them um, while also meeting a community need. So, um, you know, those are kind of the main, I guess those are the main takeaways that, that we've seen here. Excellent. I think that those are, I think that those are awesome. And two and three really resonate uh, with me just talking about how important it is to have expectations be as clear as possible up front, um, helping people to understand here's, here's the work that, that we need. Here's why we're doing it. Here's how you can help. Um, and if you choose to engage, these are expectations that you are going to show up or follow through on your commitments. So right. I, I think it's much easier for people to, to follow through when they know exactly what they're being asked to do. So, yeah, yeah. When, when it's ambiguous or I'm not really sure, then I think it will definitely lead to inaction. So yeah. is that, is that more so over the past five years than it has before? And, and if so, do you think it's because of just all the information that, that, that we're kind of hit with now? Uh, yeah, I think, I mean, one of the innovations certainly we have um, in our sector is technology, which is really great. We can reach more people. Um, we can showcase what we're doing without having to answer, you know, 100 phone calls a day. But at the same time, it's a very anonymous um, it's very, it's very anonymous. And, and when people sign up for something, they think, oh, it won't matter if I show up because it's just this website and I haven't actually met anyone and I don't know anyone. Um, so if I don't show up or if I don't tell them I can't come, it won't really matter. And, um, so I think, you know, the technology piece, while, you know, it's a double-edged sword, while it's been awesome in so many ways, it's also made it easier for people to just kind of have good intentions but think that there's really no kind of ramification if they if they don't follow through. Got it. So your so the idea is like the important of importance of actually having relationships, which I do believe that yeah. um, hands on is does a really good job of creating. Um, like you go on these volunteer projects and you do have you create lifelong friendships if you're if you're really looking for it. It's a good place to find folks that you, you'd never think of ten years later. You talk to them you know, all the time. And so I think that it does a really good job at facilitating that. Chris, I would love your thoughts, uh, given how long you've been in the sector, you talked on, touched on a little bit, but just how you've seen this sector as a whole, like the nonprofit uh, volunteerism just change from when you started to now, I'm sure like we talked about technology and infrastructure, but anything around mindset or leadership that you'd like to add as a, as a ending to that? 
Yeah, um, well, I think leadership has a lot to do with the success of an organization. Um, when you have had, when you see nonprofits who have longtime leaders leave the sector, um, it can be very challenging for that organization to to stay successful. And I've seen some really good organizations um, not do well when um, a really dynamic and amazing executive director or CEO leaves. Um, so leadership is very important. I mean, obviously, Centauri, you're obviously involved in kind of um, leadership. Um, we have a national service program that we hope um, keeps people in, engaged in the nonprofit sector. Um, we see that doesn't always happen. Um, I think nonprofits need to understand and funders actually need to understand that we need to be able to pay um, people in the nonprofit sector a decent wage. Um, obviously, we're not making profits for shareholders, but to get quality people, you need to be com somewhat competitive um, in salaries and, and benefits and things like that. And, um, you know, that's something we're always pushing for. Um, we're always pushing for um, funders to understand um, why administrative costs are important. And I think some are better about it now than they were years ago. Um, but just paying for stuff when it comes to supporting an organization um, isn't always enough. Like you need staff to run successful programs and it's definitely, you know, worth it. And, and how you talk about fundraising obviously has changed over the years. Um, we now talk about it as an investment. Um, invest in our organization. Don't just give us money. Um, make an investment so we can show, uh, you know, a greater impact or show the outcomes with your investment. So that's something I think I'm sure, you know, has definitely changed. And that certainly goes back to your first the first um, learning that, that you shared is that it's so imperative to run it like a business for yes. like like a for-profit business. Yeah, so. I mean, we obviously don't pay shareholders at the end of the year, but if you don't, if you don't make, if you're not, you know, breaking even and not making money, then you can't afford, you know, to run the programs that the community really needs. So um, thinking strategically about how you're going to start, uh, if you're going to start a new program, how you're going to fund it and how you're going to do it beyond some um, some grant dollars for the first year or two. Yeah, understood. Well, Chris, knowing that the whole world would hear it, what plea would you make? Oh, boy. I think I would say that volunteering is not free. And what I mean by that is, you know, while you need money, um, I mean, yeah, you need money and resources to really have an effective um, volunteer to have effective volunteer opportunities, to run effective volunteer programs. I mean, our organization, while it is certainly has a lot to do with technology and we use more volunteers than most organizations, um, they, we still need funding and resources to make those opportunities available to people. And same thing with a, with a homeless shelter or a food bank. Um, if they don't have a volunteer management department or at least a staff person dedicated to it, if they haven't used some resources to train staff on how to effectively work with volunteers, um, then they're not going to be successful with volunteers. So um, yeah, I'm not saying you necessarily have to pay every time, but you, there needs to be financial investments and resources put towards um, successful volunteerism or it's never, it's not going to be a success. That makes sense. Well, Chris, how can people engage with, um, with hands on greater Phoenix? How can they get involved? Well, they can go to our amazing website. Uh, <laughs> they can show. They can learn all about the fifty-plus opportunities we have every month. Um, like I said, it's not only our opportunities. We showcase other nonprofits that have different volunteer needs. Um, there's skills-based needs. There's school-focused uh, volunteer needs. There's just 
general um, kind of anybody can can join us on a Tuesday night uh, to do anything. So handsonphoenix.org is our website. Um, you can see all the different opportunities we have. Um, there is kind of a three-step process to get involved, but it's all done from the convenience of your computer um, at home or wherever you're uh, logging in from. And, um, you know, we hope people find some way to get involved because um, the Phoenix community needs you. Excellent. Centauri, what else? That was fantastic. Uh, Chris, I have to get down to a project soon. I will go on the website (laughs) and make sure in the next few weeks I do something. Well, I'll have to, I'm doing. Uh, I'm hosting a craft day at uh, a senior public housing facility, so I'll have to have you be my guest, and you can help me do crafts with the ladies at. Uh, <laughs> I would love that. Yes, they send me a note. I think, I think that that'd be a big win for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Centauri, like like we've been talking about, if you decide to do it, you have to take it like you mean it. So don't phone in any of those crafts. Oh, yeah. oh I'm gonna I, I'm gonna craft the hell out of it. Yeah, I would humiliate him if he did not show up. Okay, excellent. Yeah, we could do another whole episode, just you and me, just bagging on Centauri. Maybe we should do that anyway, Chris. Fantastic. (laughs) Chris, is there anything else you'd like to share? No, I appreciate the opportunity, guys. Thanks so much. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. And thanks, as always, for listening. And remember, keep questioning because the struggle is real.